Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast, episode 27. I am John. I am joined by my co-host, Mark. And this is the very last Practice Squad Podcast that is in season for the 2022-2023 NFL season. We're last one week away. One, John. Yep. Yeah, the uh, last the, of the season other side one. of this. We, we see you guys next week. We're going to be talking about, you know, who won the Super Bowl and uh, talking about probably a whole lot of free agency moves that I'm sure are going to kind of kick off right away. Um, you know, first one that comes to mind is obviously uh, Derek Carr uh, making all those funny comments on the Pro Bowl. It sounds like he's not going to be in Vegas for sure next year, and he's probably going to be the first guy to move because if Vegas doesn't get rid of him, they owe him a whole lot of money. Uh, versus if they they successfully get rid of them, so yeah, we got slam packed, dude. the The Super Bowl week is just obviously you have all the Super Bowl media, which is crazy packed, and then you have all the free agency stuff already starting to happen. You have draft looks starting to already happen. You get you know senior games starting to happen. Like it's just everything's starting to happen at once, and it's like the end of this season's happening, and it's the biggest day of the year in sports. Uh, and then you have like already trickling into what's the next year going to hold. And the whole exactly. offseason is just as crazy. We got, I mean, Brady retiring, Rodgers. You got free agency, like you said. The the biggest game in America in sports happening on Sunday. You know, all happening in like one week. Yeah, and, and we'll get into all that. But our guest that we're going to have for this episode can really shed some light on that entire draft process as well and what all of those things are like. So if you'd like to go and intro him. Yeah, so we're excited to have on Joe Wilson. He was a teammate of mine at Central Michigan. Um, he just recently got done playing in the East-West Shrine Bowl this past weekend where he was uh, kind of making a name for himself and and did a good job there. He's all-MAC player, all-conference player, um, three-year starter for for the Chippewas, and now he's, he's training and hoping to get his name called on draft day or get a chance with the team here in a few months. So uh, I'm excited to have Joe Wilson, teammate and good friend on on the show what's up joel how you doing doing, guys doing good so first uh, question joel um john if you don't mind i I just want to you're you're hot off of the whole senior bowl not the senior bowl but you know the senior game um that's such a unique process right not many people get to be a part of that and Mm -hmm. you you were invited to the east west shrine bowl where i mean those are some of the best players in the country all coming together competing in front of scouts coaches um you know going through like what does a typical day look like for you joel and what was your experience like i guess overall um well typical day there i mean we were pretty we were pretty busy like every single day all of the week you know so we're we're down there in vegas um i'd say you know the first full day we had we it was wake up call you got you got breakfast from 6 30 to like 7 30 or something like that um but I mean, if you have the early morning practice, it overlaps with breakfast, so you gotta get down there early. So you get down there for breakfast at like six thirty, leave on the bus at seven oh five, head to practice in the morning. Um, practice for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then after that, you know, get any treatment that I need done at the facility. Um, head back. We'd have lunch, uh, meetings, and then we'd have uh, NFL interviews. We do interviews for like three hours. Um, Damn. We'd be in this big group. Um, Really like by position, so it'd be tight ends, linebackers, and uh, running backs was my group from the East team. And there's all these different conference rooms, and you'd go into these separate conference rooms like for an hour apiece. And there'd be you know like four to five NFL uh, teams in there, and uh, you'd kind of just sit in the center like table, or whatever. And then if a team wanted to talk to you, they'd come and grab you, pull you over to their table, you'd have a conversation with them, and you just kind of did that for the next three hours of your day. <laughs> 
Um, the, the, the most intense job interview there is. Right yeah, there. yeah the same thing over <laughs> and over again. So yeah, you done with that, and you'd have we'd have dinner, and then right after dinner, you'd have more meetings, and uh, usually a group speaker or uh, you know some like some player conference uh, seminar type deal, uh, and then we'd be done around like eight thirty p.m. and then you go to bed, wake up, and do it the next day. So. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happens in every day there. So, when you got an opportunity to talk to some of those NFL teams, like were the questions pretty high level and just kind of trying to get to know you, or were they actually, you know, going more in depth, talking scheme and things like that? Um, I think it. I, in some cases, it kind of depended what scout you were talking to. Um, if it was a scout that wasn't really necessarily familiar with you, they'd kind of try to get more background information on you. Um, a lot of it was just making sure that you know, of any red flags that popped up in the past on a certain player. Um, they'd want to, like, talk about that, you know, get to the bottom of it, see, like, what actually happened or uh, see what type of person they are, how it's going to affect the organization or something like that. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, it was pretty easy because, you know, I never really got in any trouble, stayed, stayed out of trouble in college. Joel didn't, Joel didn't have many red flags. Yeah. Joel's, yeah, Joel's a good so, guy. Um, yeah. What was it like, Joe? I mean, obviously the talent level. So, I mean, you played in the MAC. You, you, you've played against. I mean, you were catching touchdowns against Penn State. You've played against Wisconsin. Like you've played against some high-level talent. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're surrounded by that many guys that are that gifted, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what was that like? Were there a couple of guys that just stood out, like, like holy shit, this guy is for real? Like that mm -hmm. you had to maybe block or run a route against? Like, was there anybody that just like turned your head, like, dude, this guy's legitimate? Or was it just like you were able to hold your own and and do your own thing? Uh, I'd say for the most part, I held my own pretty good. I mean, I, I had that I had that ankle injury in week nine, right. yeah. um, so that's my first time doing any of that stuff since November, the start of November, like pretty much October. Um, so I was kind of I was kind of iffy going into that week because I didn't know if I was even going to make it through the first two practices. You know, I just taped it up as much as I could and spatted, um, yeah. but it ended up being good. Um, I mean, as far as like one on ones go, um, it's kind of hard to gauge it because like you know those guys are definitely good, um, but at the same time, you know they can cheat the drill if they know you're running an outbreaking route. They'll just sit hard yeah. outside leverage, and yeah. so, I mean stuff like that. But I mean, I think if there's one person that stuck out to me, it was definitely it was during the game, um, the edge DN from Florida. Uh, I'm not sure what his name is. Wore a big cowboy collar. Um, every other DN I blocked, we would run wide zone and I would just kind of, you know, I just really make them stretch it cause they had to contain, right. and, you know, it really wasn't too hard to block him, but that guy just shot straight up field and he was tough. just, he's just messing it up. Yeah. It was just, he, he was a tough one to block. So, um, that was probably the only one. We had, um, Tyler Conklin on in, in one of our previous episodes, Joel, and obviously you and him have a great relationship and. He was kind of like your big, you know, he was like kind of like your your big brother when he got there. He's kind of like um, a little bit of an inspiration, I think, for how far you've come. And it was the same thing for me when I got to Central. Um, you know, you kind of shed some light on your relationship with him and and training with him and just learning from him and seeing what he's been able to accomplish coming out of CMU mm -hmm. and then seeing what, you know, what your goals and aspirations are to do the same thing that he's doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's definitely just cool to be able to see someone from Central, you know, obviously played the same position um just kind of go out there and make a name for himself and obviously he's you know excelled and done really great on his career so far he just got his second contract and you know he's making the big money now so it's a big deal in the league you yeah. get to that second contract yeah, Huge. yeah. Um, um as far as our relationship um 
you know, we, we're in contact every now and then, you know, especially during this process, you know, I've reached out and asked him a few questions, um, just making sure I'm doing the right things. And uh, he's done a great job of just, you know, leading me down the right path. Um, you know, as far as that, I mean, we're in contact too much, you know, during, throughout the season, whatever, you know, you know, he'd tell me good job in a couple of games. But I think more so, you know, what he's done um, for me in my career is just, you know, it's just been, you know, some that I've seen and like um, it's kind of made it like for me, just made it like in my head, like, OK, that's that's possible. Like I can actually do this, you know, right. Seeing someone coming, you know, same program same position just going there and excelling so same number it's hard not to it's hard yeah. not to draw the comparisons yeah. right just the way you guys play same number similar size similar athleticism similar hair see the one that convinced you to grow it out <laughs> your, your facial hair needs some work compared to yeah, no, <laughs> you're, you're on your way i grow it in uh no, my, my tight ends coach always wanted me to grow my hair out you know i think you kind of set yourself apart when you got you know a lot oh hair. yeah people remember you so it's a statement oh yeah yeah it's kind of a tight end thing I was about to say like Hawkinson too. Like I just I just yeah, feel like Hawkinson's it's a tight end thing for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. Just look like a, a big Viking dude on the field, maybe a little more menacing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then so you know, I know you got injured and in, like you said, end of October this season, but you were having a really hot season to begin with. 44 receptions, 445 yards, six TDs. What was it kind of like, you know? coming into central, having to work your way up and then obviously having a really productive season your last year there. And uh, what was that kind of grind like getting up to that, that level? And uh, you know, do you feel like you watched yourself progress year over year um, kind of the way that you needed to, in order to get to that level? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, as far as like physically and mentally, it takes a lot to be able to, you know, groom yourself to be able to play at the level that you have to play at. Um you know, coming in, I was, I played quarterback in high school and I was like 205 pounds. So, I mean, obviously I knew I needed to gain weight, um, you know, get faster, get stronger. Um, but I mean, a big part of football that people don't really realize is, you know, like the mental aspect of it. Um, camp is hard. Um, to grind. Just screaming at you when you're a freshman is hard. Summer conditioning, winter conditioning, it's hard. You know, it's, it's definitely like, it's a grinding and, you know, you gotta be, you have a strong will and, you have a lot of mental toughness to be able to make it through that stuff, you know? Um, and even like, like people who don't even play, you know, uh, I mean, that's just a tough thing to go through to grind like that. And, uh, you know, bleed with your brothers and then go out there and not play, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do. And I mean, uh, but I mean, I think throughout the whole thing, I kind of just believed it was part of the process and that was something I needed to do to be able to get to where I am today. Um, and just, you know, over like, over the years, I kind of just saw myself, you know, getting better, getting in the film room more, you know, just taking the coaching that I needed to uh, take. And um, I, I had a lot of good upperclassmen around me, too, along the way, you know. Uh, Hunter Butchkowski, Oakley Lavalli, Keegan Kasu, uh, Tony Polgin, Bernard Rainman. Uh, There's a bunch of smart guys, good guys. The tight fam, the tight yeah. fam, man. Tight fam. Yeah, that was our thing, tight fam. Tight end, the tight end fam, dude. That the tight end room, I was always jealous of because I was like, man, I kind of want to get in there, but like, I can't play tight end. Like, yeah. I gotta get, I gotta get like five inches taller. <laughs> yeah, gain about um, thirty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but the tight fam was like that room, and and coach he Tavita Thompson, you mentioned earlier, he does a great job. Probably one of the more underappreciated assistant coaches all across Division One football. Definitely, um, he's done a great job, dude. He's he's produced and he's led these guys and he brings in guys like Joel as a freshman and he, and he helps them get to the point Joel's at right now. Um, and he's done it with more guys than just Joel and he continues to do it. 
Um, Joel, is there a moment at, at Central where it's like, and I asked Khalil the same question we brought him on, um, that the confidence obviously that you have to have to get to the point of you're playing at your highest level against people playing at their highest level. Was there like a moment, could have been a practice, could have been, could have been in a game that you made a play or you, or someone said something to you or you're just like, I can really do this. Like I really have the ability to maybe chase my dream and p- play professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, a moment of realization for me that I thought I could, you know, actually take it to the next level would probably be just after the 2021 season. Just looking back and looking at the year that I had and I, I just knew that my, my best football wasn't, you know, wasn't behind me. It was still ahead of me. Um, you know, I, I started to realize that, you know, it could be like a real possibility for me. Um, but, you know, the confidence, I think that came with the start of 2021. We played Missouri and I'm out there blocking like they're all SEC D end. And I'm just like, you know, this, this guy's, you know, he's, he's no different than a lot of guys yeah. I've played against. So, I mean, I think it's just that. I mean, that definitely helps with the confidence, you know, just kind of going in with the mindset that, you know, it's not it's not this all SEC defense. It's just, you know, it's just another D end, you know, it's a faceless opponent. So. Yeah. I mean, you had that uh, in the Washington State game in the Tony the Tiger Bowl. You had a huge touchdown catch. And I remember in terms of just obviously being your teammate for a few years, and that was my first year removed from uh, playing. But I was like, okay, Joel's taking another step. Like, I've been gone for a year, but I've clearly missed something. Like, Joel's taken even another step in, to- in the right direction in terms of where he can go. Um, watching that game was fun, and that was that was a great play you made. And then, obviously, you carried it into your last season. Um, the one thing that was interesting is that Arizona bowl, uh, the barstool bowl, you guys were supposed to play and talk a little bit about what happened there. I mean, I know you guys traveled to Arizona, the game got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forget what happened there. And then you guys basically picked up Washington state cause their game got canceled and you were just yeah. like, screw it. We'll just play you guys. Yeah. Um, talk about what happened there. So, I mean, we got to Tucson and then the next day we had practice and we we got on the bus we got on the bus went to practice we practiced at some high school uh field you know mountains in the background it's pretty cool out there um, oh yeah and then we get done with practice and we get everybody starts changing they're getting to the buses and the people start going on their phones and seeing that boise canceled because of covid and none of us had, like really believed it yet because we didn't really like you know it wasn't official yeah, yet was, right and then once we got on the buses uh i think it, it was either uh coach mac or somebody else told us that the, the game had been canceled and that they were going to do everything they could to look like look for a, a replacement team to come in and play against us or another bowl game that got canceled for us to go to. Um, so we didn't really know what to do once we got back to the hotel because we had nothing to game plan for. We didn't know if we were going to play another game or who we were going to play. So we kind of just all came back and stayed on the schedule just with what we were going to do. And then I think later that night, we picked up the Sun Bowl against Washington State because Miami had to drop out too. Um, so next day we started game planning for you know, Washington State. We had like two days to game plan against their film and <laughs> so, so crazy to plan. me. Yeah, we stayed in Tucson for the next two days and practiced there, and then we bust to El Paso the day before the game. Stayed in the hotel, play the game the next day. So people don't realize how hard it is to game prep at that level in two days and then go out That's crazy. You've been preparing for one opponent who's completely different yeah. and different players, different, you know, 
play style on both sides, offense, defense, special teams, and two days having to travel, flip the game prep to a different team, flip mm-hmm. your mindset, and then to go out and win the game, right, as a Mac school going in beating a Pac-12 school, like that's obviously tells something about Central's program. Coach McElwain, obviously you guys had a hell of a team. Um, and, and, you know, that team was loaded with a lot of upperclassmen like yourself mm-hmm. that were just – playmakers and, and knew how to play the right way right and i mean i feel like that's been a theme that we've continued to touch on throughout this podcast is that central just consistently kind of punches above their weight class um more ways than one with nfl looks and the competition that they hold their weight against and all of that stuff so that's pretty crazy though 48 hours of preparation and you guys were able to go yeah. out on it that's off to you guys for sure so uh, is there or go ahead john no 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 if you had a question go ahead i was going to move into nfl talk yeah, I'll ask him. I'll ask you one more um, college question. Is is there a stadium, Joel, that or like an environment that you played in that's your favorite from college? I, I have my mine was Wisconsin. Obviously, yeah. you you had more games than I did uh, once I left. But is there is there just a stadium, a game day environment that you know a hostile environment that you went into? Like holy shit, this is yeah. really what they say it is. Yeah. Um, well, I think. LSU was probably the coolest stadium I played at. That's the LA. I think Penn State was definitely the one of the. It was massive, and it was so loud. And I think that that was probably one of the coolest environments too. I also like playing at Western too because you go in there and oh, yeah, everyone hates you. you know? Everyone hates you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was I was gonna ask too. Uh, you know who you got for the Super Bowl coming up here. And and what your reasoning is behind that pick? Oh man, I don't know. I wanted the Bengals to win so bad, but <laughs> I think uh, I don't know. I think I'd probably have to go with the Chiefs, just because I, I just don't know if I can bet against Patrick Mahomes at this point. He's, he's done. He's done too much. That's what I was trying to tell John, Joe. He's done too much to to warrant any doubt. You know, I know that his team is not as good as the Eagles. I know that he's not even 100% healthy. I know he's the underdog in this game for some reason, but it's like it's it's hard to pick against him. It's hard to pick against him. Like like you said, Mark, best player versus uh, best team. That's kind of the the dynamic. And then I know you're from Petoskey. Are you a Lions fan then, or or do you have a different team? Okay, got you. They're going to do good next year. Yeah, man, they're on their way up for sure. It's, a, it's really exciting, and hopefully, you know, they just invest a lot in, in defense in this draft because obviously biggest problem area is probably defensive backfield and hope they can clean that up. And uh, honestly, I, I think they're not only a playoff team. I think they could actually win quite a few playoff uh, games if they go and clean up their defense. So, yeah. And how, do, how do you feel as a tight end, too, them trading away Hawkinson and then just spreading the ball around to their tight ends? And, like, three of them have, like, multiple <laughs> touchdowns on the season. It's crazy. That's fine. Hopefully they bring me in. Yeah, tight end by committee. Yeah. Joel 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 has the hair that Hawkinson had. I mean I know. Hawkinson two Hawkinson two Joel, is there a tight end in the league um that you enjoy watching that you take things from their game and apply it to yours? Uh I wouldn't say there's any in the league that I, you know, I I'm like actively watching their film and trying to like gain some stuff from them. I mean, obviously T C uh yeah. just some of this top of route stuff. And we both uh that one time we trained with uh uh del Fonte, diamond yeah you guys came um, came out to adams and worked with him that was a, that was awesome to see all you guys kind of come back and and 
and work out together and just see. We had a couple younger guys that I was coaching, watching Joel and, and Tyler and learning from their movements and just seeing how they move at their size. And I, and I told a couple of them, I was like, this takes years and years of working, being that big, being able to move that fast and change the direction as quickly as you guys do. I said, like, there's not many guys that size that can do that. And there's a reason that they work at it so much. Yeah. Um, was pre-scoring yeah. there for that? Prescorn was there for that. Um, a couple of our other receivers, and it was—I mean, it was really cool. Is that—is that the kind of stuff you're working on right now, Joel? Like, as obviously, you know, you finished the the senior game, the Shrine Bowl, and now it's like a whole different. I feel like your mind shifts right now. You have kind of like forty training, um, you know, physical strength testing. You have to still do interview prep, like all of that stuff. I feel like just intensifies, right? And then it all the way up until you know draft and post draft is just prep what does that look like for you You have like a schedule like a plan yeah i mean for for now i'm training here in novi until march 3rd i think then our pro day is march 15th so i'll go back to central and train for like the days leading up to that but uh i mean yeah it's it pretty crazy because you know i'm here doing you know like not football specific training except for a couple days out of the week um just trying to get stronger uh, with my bench press, you know, doing 40 training, short shuttle, three cone, all that stuff. You know, it's, it's not really like technical football movements. It's like just, it's just testing movements and right. you're like full focus on that. And then boom, I'm, I'm down to the shrine bowl and now it's straight football again. So now I just flip your mindset again and interviews and stuff like that. And then now I'm back here and I have to flip it again. So I'm back at, I'm back, you know, just 40 training, all that stuff, you know, just kind of locked in on that. And then um, when I'm done with that March 3rd, I'll go back to Mount Pleasant and I'll kind of sprinkle in some, you know, route stuff because for pro day, I'll be running routes along with my testing and probably doing some uh, some tight end drills. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to take in. But just from your personal field, do you think that like the combine style training is at all indicative to what you're capable of as a player? Because like there's so many guys that, you know, like don't put up crazy numbers and they end up being amazing NFL players or other way yeah. around. Like, how do you feel while you're, while you're training for that? Like, you're like, uh, is this really, you know, like matter that much other than, you know, it being important for draft reasons? Yeah. I don't, I think it's all kind of, I think it's all kind of BS. I mean, yeah. It's just not a lot of things that you do for the 40 combine training that are like direct correlation to how you play the game. And it also is kind of dependent on what position you play. I mean, 40 is good for testing straight line speed, but you know, how often am I running 40 yards straight down the field? Almost, being almost never. Line, you know? Yeah. I mean, I always say just put on the game film. Like if you yeah. put on, put on the game film, break it down, watch what they do well, watch what they don't do well, see what they, you know, say about their mistakes, their good plays. Like you put on Joel's film, I think it speaks for itself. Like I don't think, you know, I don't think it's gonna completely change someone's mind, you know, who's whether it's a scout or someone who doesn't even know football. If you watch Joel do his workout compared to just watch the games or watch the yeah, I mean, that's how I feel like when there's a literal yeah. guy in your face that you have to go toe to toe with yeah, it's a whole like different a thing. Yeah, yeah it's a way better like, statement to what kind of player you are. You run like so. all these tests and they do the times on them and you know, like how 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 much of a difference is a tenth of a second really? You know, like the difference between a, running a four, like run, difference between running a four six and a four eight. It's like that's detrimental on your draft stock. Totally. And it's like I couldn't even like two tenths of a second. Like what is that? You know, it's like 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like the whole aspect of it. I think you should just watch the film, and then you know, for the pro day, it should, it should be just football drills. But you know, it's like so that. Joel, Joel, in any of these interviews, I don't know if you've used this yet. Uh, have you used the fact that you were a quarterback in high school, and that and that there were some trick plays here and there at Central for you to throw the ball a little bit as like a yeah, I know me and this guy are neck and neck and who you're scouting, but I got a cannon of an arm. Have you have you used that yet? No, I haven't used that one yet. They all knew I was they all knew I was a quarterback though. So I mean, they at least know I can throw it, you know. Oh yeah. If 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 in your next interview they're like, Is there something that like we like this guy, we like you, you guys are neck and neck, you just be like, Yeah, I mean, I also can throw bombs. Like I'm like <laughs> I can throw a sixty yard dime if you need me to, coach. Yeah, I might have to use that one. Oh man. That's funny. I remember you. I remember when we had a like an emergency quarterback situation in college, and like Joel was taking legitimate reps at quarterback. We're like, dude, if if it comes down to this, like this is our guy. Like we're gonna yeah. ride with Joel at QB. How excited were you for that? Uh, I mean, uh, it, was a fun, it was a fine line between excited and you know, kind of <laughs> because I mean, there's so many checks and stuff you have to do for that. Oh yeah. But I mean, it would have been fun. You yeah. handled it. You yeah. handled it. Yeah, I mean, you were ready to go if we needed you. You said what? Yeah. Oh, you were ready to go if we needed you. Oh yeah, I mean, I would have had to. Yeah, probably would have been better prepared than San Fran situation, the NFC Championship. Yeah, that that was rough, man. Like that sucks. That's tough for them. It 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 is too, because I I was just I was complaining about it last episode a ton because of the fact that it's like. I was so pumped to watch that game because I truly do think those are like the two best teams in the NFL, especially from like a trenches standpoint and just, you know, being a former offensive lineman, I was really excited for that. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, it wasn't even a game. Like it's, yeah. you know, it was over by the first quarter basically. So that bummed me out. Uh, hopefully San Fran bounces back though. What, what do you think of a uh, Kittle's game? Cause I know he really prides himself from a blocking mm-hmm. perspective of just rocking the shit out of anybody he has to block. Like I know yeah. some tight ends, you know, they, they prefer to just kind of be like, you know, more receiver types and then other the ones finesse, are like, nah, the finesse like, tight ends. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, Kittle's a kills an animal. I think Kittle, he might be, he might be my, I mean, I'll, TC's obviously my favorite tight end in the league, but I, I think aside from TC, Kittle's, he's an animal. He's just, when he blocks his hands, he, his hands are so tight. When people don't realize, realize about blocking is if you have wide hands and someone gets your chest, like you're just done for. It doesn't matter how strong you are. So like, yeah, but, uh, when he he stripes dudes up, and he'll get his hands, you know, right there. It doesn't matter where his feet are. Like he can, they can just take him. He can take him anywhere they they want to go, and he just drives him right into the ground. It's just, and he has he has so much fun with it too. You know, yeah. I, I think the one clip I I don't know if you've seen it where he, I think he's playing against. I want to say he's playing against the Eagles and he levels some defensive end. And he puts him right on his back and the, and the guy goes, shit, man, I tripped. And he goes, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, no, nah, he did not trip. No, he's I just, like genuinely happy when he's out in the football. He loves it, man. Yeah. He loves playing it. So good. I, well, he plays it the way it should be played. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us. And, you know, we obviously know you got to, very busy next couple of months ahead of you. So best of luck with all of that. And, you know, we're hoping that you end up exactly where you want to be in the, the near future here. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with everything, Joel. It's yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and just go show them what you can do, man. We're yeah, rooting for, for you. Sure. We're, rooting, we're rooting for you, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Of course. Best of luck, dude. See you yep. next time. Yep. See you guys. See ya. Awesome. Having him on. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, 
Mark, just like, again, like so many cool stories that you've gotten to, to be connected to through your time at Central, obviously. And, uh, you know, every single guy you've had on to has just been awesome to interview and also like just so cool seeing the journey of like, you know, again, I love the fact that we get the opportunity to shed light on people's stories where like, you know, it's like, okay, clawing your way all the way up and what that journey looks like, because most of the time people just see, you know, guys in the league and they're like, oh, like, you know, God given talent, this was meant to happen. And they don't know what a freaking grind it is to get there, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's battled, Joel's battled through injuries, yet he came in, there were some guys ahead of him when he first got to Central, had to work his way up the depth chart just like anybody else. And then I, the potential's always been there. I think he's known that. Um, coaches kind of told him that from the beginning when he got there, like, you could be a really special player at this position if you just keep working, and that's what he's done. He's just kept working. Uh, he's a good. He's nothing but a, a, a nice, good, kind person off the field. And, you know, he just worked his ass off, and he's – going to continue to do it for the next few months and see what happens with the draft or you know and see what happens and see if he gets makes a team next year and the rest is you know going to be up to him right and make the most of it but it's just awesome to see something like that get an opportunity and just to and see the process right and hear about the process like not many people get to go play in a in a senior game they're like with the best talent in, in america all coming together competing in front of scouts i mean interviewing with you know NFL teams for three hours a day for a full week, dude. I'd and be having a heart attack. Like honestly, yeah. I'd be I'd be like like working myself up so bad in that situation. Especially like you said, like three or four hour sessions of that. It's like, it's tough, oh man, I, yeah, got to make after practice. You got to go get treatment. It's a whole thing, man. But um, yeah. you know, it takes a special person to to go through that and and to make it out the other end and make it into the league and. It's just, I hope the best for Joel. And it was awesome that he came on and kind of shared that, shared his stories there. Absolutely. Um, so do you, obviously Super Bowl is the, the biggest headline item that we have to talk about, but do you want to talk about kind of some of the, the free agency stuff and some of the other news events before we get into it? And we'll kind of finish. Yeah, that, that there's all kinds of, there's Bowl all talk. kinds of smaller, you know, media events going on, but we'll, we'll, I think we'll cap this episode with the Super Bowl you know, mega Super Bowl talk. We'll get into that, but let, let's, I guess let's start right. with, let's start with Tom Brady because I think he warrants the first conversation, him retiring. First question I ask you, John, and then we'll get into some Tom Brady memories and, you know, give him his flowers. Uh, is this the end of Tom Brady playing football? Dude. Like, and I said this last, like, like last time when he retired and, you know, it ended up not being a real retirement. Like, I'm gonna be kind of pissed if it's if it's fake again. Like, I was uh, like when he, when he unretired last time, I was like, dude. Like, I thought that we were finally like relieved of having to deal with Tom Brady. And like again, this this is not disrespect to Tom Brady. It's just I've been watching you play football literally my entire life. You were drafted the year that I was born. Like. I'm I'm ready. Like I'm right. He's drafted what 1999, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so yeah, literally, literally, I've been my entire life. I have known Tom Brady playing football, and I'm just good on all that, man. <laughs> like it's I, I have loved watching him play. I've loved all of the moments, but I felt like this past year, like was 
not the wisest decision. We obviously see how that worked out for his marriage and things like that. And um, so, yeah, if you were to long story short, if you were to unretire again, I'd be like, really? Um, I would, I would also like your word only means so much. Like once you unretire a third time or a second time, I'm sorry. Like you're just like, dude, I would be partially happy because I would love to see him play more. I think he still has more in the tank. Uh, he took a, not very good team to the playoffs, you know, and he still, it wasn't his fault that they weren't winning games, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, he was, he was uh, passing attempts higher than right, any but, other time he's been in his career. So it obviously wasn't him. There um, were bigger look, issues. Uh, in my head, I thought he was going to play another year and you and I, so did both, I. I didn't both expect speculated that yeah. like, Oh, like, you know, he's, he doesn't have a wife telling him he needs to retire anymore. Like, he, you know, he's got nothing else to do now but play football like a rule if he wants to keep playing football. So it did yeah. surprise me that he retired this year. But now that it's done, now that it's said and done, I'm going to be annoyed if he if he comes back a, a second time. That that would I, that would be. I really cool. thought he. I thought we were going to see him for another year at least. Um, I yeah. actually thought he had probably had a few years left in him, just with everything that happened. And uh, I don't know. I, it's I I do think he's probably done for good. He seemed genuine. Um, mm. he seems to have other things that he wants to start to go and pursue like broadcasting and is obviously Brady brand. Well, what's and what's interesting is that he isn't going to be broadcasting until 2024. I don't know if you saw that, but it's I saw it that, be yeah. the 2024, 2025 season, which I'm personally stoked about because of the fact that like, he, if he came this year, 2023, he would have taken Greg Olson's job and Greg Olson just doesn't deserve that. I'd argue he's the best player commentator in out of everybody right now right now yeah he's doing that. yeah right now he's doing i would say very well i think greg olson's really good at what he does yeah so and it's just like you know tony romo's fallen off a little bit but like you know as far as uh uh greg goes like i just feel like there's a good level of like balance and like not ripping into guys seeming genuinely yeah. interested and then obviously having all that knowledge you know of just being yeah. able to explain the game in a way that's like palatable for the average listener and the average person so um and look i i think maybe tony romo will bounce back he just seemed kind of like not as into it this year as he was in prior years because you and i talked about it like he's probably my favorite commentator um yeah you know i'm so right now there. man i'm yeah so well that's romo. That's what I was going to say, though. Was like, he was probably my favorite, one of my favorite commentators, like the first year he was he was in. And then like every year after that, I'm like, like, what is this dude? Doing? He's either too much or he's too little. And the too much is like cringy, like some of the stuff that he says, uh, like he'll get excited after like a two yard gang and he'll act like it was like the craziest thing he's ever seen. Like, And, and it's like, OK, great. You, you're showing enthusiasm, but you ha it has to be warranted. Like the best are like the natural calls. Like Gus Johnson it always does a great job when there's a big play. You can feel that he's genuinely like, oh my right. God, right? And you can feel that. Tony Romo will force that. He'll do that on a play that doesn't warrant the big moment call. And I mean, maybe it's maybe he's just got to get a feel for it because he's only been doing it for a few years. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of sold on it. Just like Romo's playing career. He came in, underdog, people loved him. Started off kind of hot once he got his chance in Dallas, and then by the end of his Dallas career, most people hated him in the league. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, they were definitely uh, spent on him for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, while we're on the Brady topic, before we move on, I guess he's you know uh, taken after his old buddy uh, Antonio Brown too, and just like immediately posting naked pictures of himself on social media. Um, yeah, I don't know what's good with that. Um, 
I'll, I'll bash him on that, but I do want to give him his flowers. I mean, the guy, he's the best to ever do it. I feel like it's undisputed. I think we got to give him that at least. Um, he He's an inspiration in terms of just not even just an athlete, a competitor. I think he's him and Michael Jordan, 1A, 1B, in terms of greatest competitors to ever live, you know, that we've on a national scale that we've ever seen. Um, he was not gifted physically. He was an underdog his whole life. He was told you're not good enough. And to do, I mean, he won a Super Bowl in three different decades. He played for over 20 seasons. Um, he had three separate Hall of Fame careers, if you break literally. down his 20s and 30s and 40s. Like, I thought That's that was incredible, cool. man. And then just when you, it's just like, just when you thought Tom Brady couldn't do more than what he's already done, he could just continued to prove people wrong. That's all he did his entire career. Nobody thought he was going to go to Tampa and just in year one win a Super Bowl. And I think that cemented him. It, it, that That separated him, I think, in terms of, was it just the Patriots dynasty and Belichick and him as a duo or is it Brady and him going and leaving and doing it by himself within one year? It just cements him as the greatest to ever do. I mean, that was like if Michael Jordan would have left and went to the wizards and won a championship right. with the wizards in his forties, like well, he couldn't do did that you here. So, you know, there's always been like the speculation that, you know, Belichick and Brady like didn't end on good terms or they don't actually get along. And really what I think it is, is that Belichick's just the most like stone cold all the time, like deadpan guy, yeah. but he was on a, a podcast this past week. And like, first of all, like that's the first time I've ever heard like enthusiasm in Belichick's voice. <laughs> like he sounded like yeah. a like a grandpa kind of like telling a, a like campfire story to his grandkids. Um, and what he was talking about was just like Brady approaching him and being like, hey, coach, like in order to set the tone, you know, in practices and or sorry, in film sessions, like dig into me just as much as you dig into all the other guys, whether or not it's warranted, because if, if they think that, you know, I'm above everybody else and I can't get criticism or things like that, like that's going to affect the locker room. So like, you know, make sure that, you know, you dish it out to me as well. And like, first of all, you know, I think Belichick being the type of coach he is like, that was probably just music to his ears. First oh, of for all, sure. but, but second of all, I think it does just show like, like he Brady was a, a teammate to everybody all the time. And I think that's why he had so much success, not just, being an underdog and being a competitor and, you know, probably being one of the smartest guys on the field at any given moment, but also just like making sure that like the locker room was in a good place and that he was actually, you know, leading, you know, it's very hard to lead a group of grown men and NFL locker rooms, a very diverse place with a lot of people with a lot of different personalities and egos and backgrounds and all of that. So I think, you know, to keep us drive a stable ship for, 20 years in new England and win you know, six super bowls there while you're doing it. Incredible, like, uh, man. yeah. It, and it's, again, it's like, almost uh, like, like if you would have told me that that whole story of Tom Brady's career and like, if I knew nothing about football, I almost want to like find someone that knows literally nothing about football, tell them this and say true or false. Like, is this a made up story or is this, did this actually happen? I'd be like, no dude, that's a fairy tale. No one does yeah. that. No one wins six super bowls in with one team, one coach, all these different players that go through different receivers, different defenses leaves, does it again with a different team, um, you know, has three separate hall of fame careers in one career, like the comeback games, the, you know, the 19 and 0 season, the, like all the stuff that or the 18 and 0 season and lost to the giants. But this, the, I mean, the records that he shattered, like that, that year was incredible. the Hummel catch year, right? Yeah. The Ty, David Tyree, yeah. Hummel catch which, which again, that was, that was my first, Super Bowl that I personally remember because we were I think nine ish years old around that time. Yeah, I just clearly... I remember they did the uh, 
the coin, like you would go and, and put like a quarter on who you thought was going to win in our, in our elementary school. And it was like, you know, we were raising money for charity and they're like, Oh, you know, you put a quarter on who you think's going to win and everybody picked the Patriots. And I just remember rooting for the giants at the time. Cause I just didn't even know. I just wanted the underdog to win. And uh, yeah, I, that was probably the first Super Bowl I actually could explain to you what actually happened and remember and had any sort of football knowledge while watching it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, uh, and I mean, I think probably from around that moment, I was pretty hooked too. Right. And that, that's the cool part is like, you know, we're going to be telling our kids, hopefully in the far future. I don't know um, that like, you know, Tom Brady was like that guy that we remember watching play and like year after year, after year, after year, we just had to watch that dude tear it up on the playoffs over and over again. So it is cool. Um, this is probably the most Tom Brady love that I'm ever going to give for the rest of it's my so life. It's so weird to me, John, because you're a Michigan man. Yeah. It's just, dude, it's just to me, like, I feel like, uh, okay, there's a couple of things with it. One, you, you talk about underdog, and I guess that was true at the beginning of his career. But again, I think you have to just eventually get tired of 23 years of, of winning all of the time. Like that just, it does get a little bit stale, right? And I don't care who the player is, right? And again, this is not hate on Tom Brady. I mean, like I, I was right there rooting for him in 28 to three, all of that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm going to speak of him in high regard, you know, for the future, but it just got a little bit stale. And then, uh, you know, just he's it's funny. He's not a media personality. So I am curious kind of on how this like next phase of his career is going to go, because like, I don't know if you get this impression, but like he interviews kind of awkward. Like he's just he's he's an interesting I, guy. I, like I think he's one of those people that's good at anything he wants to do. I think anything he's passionate about, he's going to exceed expectations. So I think he's going to come in and actually do a very good job of of announcing and broadcasting Four, 400 million dollars i'm sure is going to help with that entire it, that won't entire hurt I, I and I, <laughs> I just think he's passionate you know i, I also think yeah. he'll last maybe one or two years before getting into coaching um he's you're probably he not be, wrong he's probably i mean he's the smartest one of the smartest dudes um of all time in terms of players and he's clearly clearly has a mind for winning, not just yeah. Being I mean, could you imagine so, him as like a quarterback coach for the Patriots dude, or you know, or whoever, offensive like, coordinator? I mean, he could yeah. be. He basically called the offense in Tampa. Like this, I mean, a lot of the More checks and stuff like were him. So yeah, I, uh, I I I could see him being a very successful coach. I think he'll be a fine broadcaster. I, I, he's the greatest player to ever do it in the sport. And I, I don't think that'll ever change. I don't think anyone's going to no, touch. Nobody his... will ever get close to what no, he's accomplished that's... in this sport. I think, I think not just for the rest of our lives, but for the rest of the NFL, like I just don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Um, now uh, moving to, I guess another kind of interesting story. Um, <laughs> Rogers on the, uh, Pat McAfee show today was, and he always kind of has like these weird retreats and getaways that he does. Like this is the weirdest <laughs> one yet though, I think. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage a little bit. Like a couple years ago, it was ayahuasca, which he started talking about. That was a thing that he did this past season, but it was something that he actually did a couple years back and then just started talking about it. Cause he got interviewed by Joe Rogan or whatever. So that was like, okay. Like, so Aaron Rodgers in the off season is, is tripping on, plants okay cool and then uh the season before that what was it called a pancha karma is what was his like big off-season cleanse which 
I don't know if you remember isn't that. Where you that. Give them, you, it's where, isn't that where you get like an enema? But, yeah, like he, you, you basically, enema like you basically drink a bunch of fluids and you the next 12 hours or whatever, you're on the toilet both ends. Like like going out in both directions, just your whole did, system is getting did I rocked. did I dream that or did did I dream that or did he like openly talk about on Pat McAfee like he had like there was someone there that gave him like an enema I, as to like I, kickstart the whole thing. I maybe I'm just I'm, like make no I I don't want to like Google what everything a poncha karma necessarily entails, but I don't think you're you're wrong. Like I think I think it's a bunch of fluids going in and a bunch of fluids coming out. That's that's where I'll leave it. Um. So, okay, weird thing number two that Aaron Rodgers does in his free time in the offseason. And now we have weird thing number three, which is he is apparently for the next four days this next week going to lock himself in a small house that is pitch black and get fed through like a little slit. And that's it. And no human interaction, no like hobbies or like reading or like anything just pitch black with your own conscience for four days and like uh, i think a a beat writer writer for the lions like posted he's like it's almost like the richer you get like forms of enlightenment are like like you just pretty much like condemning yourself to what looks like a prison sentence (laughs) like it's like he's spending a boatload of money to literally be treated like a prisoner in a pitch in like solitary confinement for four days. I don't get it. You talk about Tom Brady and his, right. His willingness to go to Belichick and be like, Hey, uh, make fun of me, correct me, be just as hard on me as you are as all these other players. Cause it'll make our team better. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, what are you doing to make this, this work? Well, you, you told the team that you don't want to be here anymore. So the off season is basically dead. If he does stay as a Packer, which, probably is not going to happen at this point. Uh, he's ruined all relationships. He's not getting better as a team. And his idea of what can I do to make myself better and my team better? I'm going to lock myself in a room for four days in the darkness and something's just going to come to me. Like my, It's going to show itself where I'm supposed to go, what's going to happen. I don't know, man. He's a weird dude. Uh, I like watching him play. I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever do it. But there's a reason he's got one ring compared to someone who's probably less talented than him having seven. And yeah, I don't disagree it, with you. And like I've always like I I think the media loves to hate on Aaron Rodgers, and so I find myself I think defending him because like you know I feel like Brady's like this like star child that can do no wrong in the eyes of the NFL media, and then Aaron Rodgers is like the the like anti Tom Brady. Like he's like this other really good quarterback, but like he's he's just this weird guy that is easy to hate on. Um, but like, and that's exactly it though, is that like, he's just a weird dude. Like in the same way that Brady's kind of weird for all of his reasons, like Rogers is just like a unique breed of human being 100%. And like, he doesn't like, I know football is a passion of his obviously. And I know he's a huge competitor. Like those are things that have to go with playing at the level that he does as well as he does. But I don't know if he, like, he doesn't really throw at all in the off season. He doesn't do any football training whatsoever in the off season. He just kind of like checks out for six months and then comes back like those kind of behaviors. I feel like you're right. Like maybe they are the difference between him having three rings and, you know, beating San Fran and a couple of those NFC championships versus, you know, having the one that he does and very early yeah. in his career and then Cause, not being able to get back there. Yeah. Cause no one can argue the talent, you know, the talents there, 
it's, you know, the, especially at the quarterback position, there's so many things. I mean, there's a reason they do these interviews and stuff that Joel talked about. It's because there's way more to once you get to the professional level, everybody's good. Everyone's fast. Everyone has crazy arm talent. Everyone can read a coverage. And it's like, okay, but how do you lead a, how do you get a player who's doing okay to be great? How do you get him to run the route this way? How do you get the chemistry down? How do you understand the timing of certain plays? When to check, when not to check? How do you have control of a locker room? How do you have relationships with people, coaches, coaches you don't like, coaches you do like? Like all that stuff matters in terms of winning. Um, you yeah, might beat some like, better teams, but you're not going to win a Super Bowl with any sort of cancer in the locker room or issues going on, you know? Like, and he, and- he defended himself even like not showing up to summer workouts, which like this is a thing that players of his status do. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with him necessarily not showing up to summer workouts. People are like, oh, you got all these young receivers. Like, wouldn't it be like nice to throw around with them? And he's like, oh, like summer workouts, they're going to be using that to like learn the scheme and get like their footing underneath them. And it's like, Yes, that's true. I'm sure that you them can help. Build, I was about to say, like, I'm sure them building chemistry uh, with you would also really help a lot of those things. So, uh, you know, it, it goes both ways, obviously. And like, uh, I think he cares a lot about the MVPs and all of that stuff. And, you know, you don't hear as much like stress around the fact that he's only gotten one ring. So I don't know. I, I uh, As much as like, I know, like, Again, Tom Brady's like the star child and, and Rogers is the heel. Like there is a reason for that to some degree. Um, I just I think it's like, overblown in both directions. John, do you think he's just going to sit in that room and it's just going to be like that Hello Darkness, My Old Friend song playing? Oh, like, totally. Four days. <laughs> like he's just going to be sitting there. Like I feel like you're going to instantly regret that. Like it sounds like, oh yeah, I'm going to do my four days and it's all going to come to me. I'm, I'm going to know exactly what my future holds. But I feel yeah. like he's just going to do. I, you like, get one hour in there. I feel like you I would lose my like, mind. Yeah. I have, so like, uh, don't be wrong. I get the utility of like, you know, talking about what we're talking about. My cat's going nuts. I might have to get off camera for a second here just to kick her out. But anyways, um, yeah, do whatever you like, do. like to me, like when I'm going to bed at night, right? Like, you know, the 30 minutes where I'm unwinding and it's silent and it's dark and there's no distractions. Like I have some pretty good ideas and like, I'll write them down in like my phone or whatever. And like, you know, cool. Like I see the utility and like having silence and darkness and whatever, but like four days, like what on day three are you thinking about that? Like, you, you didn't think about in day one, you know? So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to let my stupid cat out, but go ahead and, and respond to that. And I'll be listening. Yeah. I'll rant a little bit more about the Rogers in in a dark room for four days uh, before we get into, uh, we'll talk about Sean Payton in a second here and what he said about Russell Wilson. But um I just, it's just, I just find it so weird that, you know, he, and he's so public about all this. this is all stuff that he could do on his own uh, with no one ever knowing about it. And he's chosen to come and speak about it. Cause I think he does part of him likes the attention. You, you he can't even hide it at this point anymore. He was at the pro-am this weekend. He won it of course, cause he's good at everything. He's just one of those people, but he's golfing and at every single green, all the crowd is like chant Raiders chants or, you know, some of them are chant jets, but he's like, you could just tell he's smiling. He loves the attention. He loves, he loves the wanted. attention. And, and he I loves, who he loves it, acting but... like he doesn't care. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, Oh, I don't care. Totally you know? his brand. The the interview, the, the, the girl asks him, she, she's like, is there, a, do you have a favorite color or favorite city? Maybe, you know, beating around the bush of like, what team do you want to go to? And he goes, he smiles and he looks up and he loves to answer the questions the same way. And he's like, well, I think the, the loudest 
today was Raiders fans. And it's like, dude, is that going to affect your decision? What the fans are doing? You know, it's just, oh, he just so likes good. to. Well, I think like to... three years ago, he figured out with that one, you know, post game interview after they lost to Tampa, he figured out that he could just be vague about his intentions for the next, you know, three months. And the NFL media covers every single thing he does and says for those three months, as long as he just keeps it vague and, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen next. So it's, it's, I think once he figured that out, he's like, Oh, all I got to do is like not tell anybody what I'm going to be doing next season. And everything that I do and say is like literally mold over with like a microscope by all the media personalities this is awesome. I'm just going to keep doing this every year regardless. He might he might know exactly what he's going to do next season the the day after they lost against the Lions. But he's not he's not going to say that, right? He's going to wait 2 months to to say anything keeps, about it. He keeps saying too, John is like, "Well, you know, being done playing isn't off the table." Well, you're not going to retire the same year as Tom Brady cuz you want to have your own Hall of Fame moment. And if Tom Brady's is the same as yours, you're not even going to be talked about. It's so he's not going to do that. He wants his own shining moment in five years when he's inducted as a first ballot hall of famer. Like he's not going to retire. He keeps talking about as an out. He's not going to retire. No, um, he's not. Raiders or jets. I think are probably the there two, are two options. And look, it's uh, to me, it's like one is the, do I want a super bowl option? And the other one's like, do I want to go somewhere else and have some fun for the, season after that because the Raiders are not a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl they're not even they're close they're close though they're no defensively they're not there I don't think they're there but they have some guys on defense and if they fix up their secondary you have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones like that's two of the very best and then you you know they are and Aaron Rodgers is still at the top of his game when he when he's connecting with receivers and you put oh, totally offensively they would be just fine defensively i just and look what's plagued aaron Rodgers in green bay for most of his career is the defense can't hold up their end of the bargain well yeah. the jets have probably a top three defense in the league going into this year and yeah. a, a damn good I, offense too so. i think either way you know he goes to either of those teams they are legitimate threats right and if he's totally. the only difference, it's just harder, right? If he goes and plays against Mahomes twice a year, Herbert twice a year. That's what uh, I'm trying to now, say. Is and, like, and is he going to make it through Who the knows gauntlet? if Russell Wilson and Sean Payton's are, you know, are they going to be a threat? I mean, that defense is obviously very good. And that's a great segue, too, because there is a Sean Payton kind of headline ever since he's been, you know, hired at the Broncos. Is he was getting interviewed and he was like, oh, it's like team three going to be allowed in the building. And like, for those that don't know, team three is Russell Wilson's personal personally hired like coaching training health staff and they were in the building last year you know doing whatever little side stuff that russ wants them doing with him when when he's at practice and things like that and sean payton first of all seemed like annoyed about the question and could not have shot it down faster he was like no we're not doing any of that like he's russell wilson is is his own player, but he's a part of this team and he doesn't need a whole separate staff to come attend practices to cater to his every need. Like that's just not going to happen. So look, I love Sean Payton setting the tone there. And obviously that dude knows a thing or two about winning football games. So I'm sure what he says is going to go as the new head coach, 
But it is interesting, right? Because I'm sure Russ doesn't totally love that answer. I mean, front facing, he's going to be a team player and he's going to be like, whatever coach says goes and all that stuff. But like, that's already kind of building some tension in that relationship, right? And Sean Payton and Drew Brees worked so well together because of the fact that like they had really good chemistry, right? They were kind of inseparable and things fell apart basically the moment that Brees left and, and Payton kind of, you know, didn't have that relationship, you know? So I'm just curious, right? Because we talked about like, man, is, is Sean Payton going to be able to fix this? And like, well, I agree with his sentiment in that statement. I'm sure that's not getting to a great first step with, with Russell Wilson. And they probably need to make a lot of progress over these next couple of months to get him in a spot where they have a good relationship, good chemistry, and are ready to win some football games. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I, I, I actually think it's going to go awfully terribly. <laughs> I think it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I think it's going to ruin Sean Payton's name and image as a coach. Uh, and everything he accomplished in, in New Orleans is going to be like, but his time in Denver was because Russell Wilson's past. He's past it. Like there was Russell Wilson that can win you games. And then what we saw last year, like even if Russell Wilson does improve, which he will with Sean Payton, he's nowhere near what, where he needs to be to win in that division and to, and to, and to win. And I've said it before. Part of the why I thought it failed with Hackett is because the system they were in does not cater what Russell Wilson's strengths are. And Sean Payton's system is the same as Nathaniel Hackett. It's the same offensive game plan, same style. It works with Drew Brees because Drew Brees thrives in that. Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are very different players besides their size. It's the only similarity, right? Um, Russell Wilson's at his best when he's scrambling around, making plays, being athletic, out of the pocket. And just not what Drew Brees was. And that's not what the Saints' offense was all those years. I don't see this working. I see this being ugly yeah and them the losing their defensive coordinator and, is not insignificant yeah either, i think right? the defense so. will be fine but i just think they're past like fixing dude and i think them bringing in sean payton you know i i, I hope the best because he's a good guy he's, and he was a great coach for so many years and it'd be cool to see him turn around but it's a tall ask for anybody and i don't i don't well, think there's many the, coaches the whole situation reeks of desperation right yeah. How many oh draft God. picks can we give away and how much money can we give away to two freaking guys that apparently are going to be like Jesus coming into our program and fixing everything and making everything right again? Like, that's not how this works, right? The Rams got really, really lucky when they made that play. And I would say that they were half as risky with it than the Broncos were. I mean, yeah, the Broncos think about, traded dude, think about how three close. players, three first round draft picks and, you know, what 300 million dollars plus for two guys <laughs> oh my yeah it's dude it's it's and one of them's not even playing you know what i mean one of, right. one of them's go, um the that's it's the, i mean the rams thing like you know you give them credit because they they pull it off and they won one right and then you saw what happens the very next year but dude think about how close the rams were to not winning one i mean stafford throws that should have been interception against the 49ers they shouldn't even have gone to the super bowl um so it's like, dude, you were a couple plays away from putting all of that into your team and not having a ring. And no one remembers teams that went to the NFC Championship. <laughs> Sorry. And then you know like, I mean? it's, it's objectively risky, which I think all of us knew. And then we saw, like you said, in real time, how quickly a team implodes after that, which it's okay. They got the ring, whatever. Like, But you have to be comfortable with that too. Like that if you're going to trade all of your picks, which are young talent, young cheap talent that you need to keep a team sustainable – all of your cap space on superstars, like 
then what happens when those guys get older or want more money or, you know, things just aren't the same and there isn't that young talent to fill in the gaps. Right. And everybody's kind of playing selfishly and things aren't going the way that they were last year. It's tough. If if you want to take the elevators to success, right. That's great. It's easy. You walk out. Sometimes you're in the Super Bowl and you win it. Right. But sometimes the elevator gets stuck, right. Stairs aren't going to get stuck. It might take you longer. It might be harder. You might be a little sweaty when you get up to the top, but you're not well, the stairs are you're not going to get stuck that's in the, the approach the lions are taking right they yeah they're up taking the damn stairs capital. they're being real yeah. cautious they're not going crazy with their cap space and and it once they get to a point if if next season is the point that they get to being a not only a playoff team but let's say a, a playoff team that contender. wins playoff games right a contender yeah. sure once they get to that point i have no concerns whatsoever about them being able to do that again next year and the year after that and the year after that. But if they got to that point and they, you know, traded 40, $50 million away to, you know, go get Deandre Hopkins and, you know, go get uh, Jalen Ramsey and a bunch of other dudes and just get them in the building. And then they're contender that year. I would have a lot more concerns about every year after that. Right. (laughs) You don't have draft picks. You don't have cap space. You're in trouble. So, um, we can move on from that one. And there's probably one more thing I want to talk about before Super Bowl talk, because I think this is massive is the Vikings hiring for is this is their DC. Like that team offensively was in a really good situation and their defense was just horrible. Literally 32 out of 32. They were the worst defense in the league and it showed in the playoffs. Um, Flores had a, you know, he, he had a bad run in Miami, but he's a damn good coach and a damn good defensive coach. I'm thinking if they get him, you know, a couple guys draft capital or cap wise in, in that room, he'll be able to coach him up to be more competitive. And, you know, just being Alliance fans, I think that's a serious threat, right? Like I'm not scared of green Bay. Really. I think we can sweep green Bay next year and the bears in our sleep, honestly, especially if Rogers isn't there, but Vikings, if they have a better defense, they're a serious threat. And, uh, Personally, I'd like to see the Lions win the the NFC North next year. So yeah, I uh, I agree with you. The, the interesting thing too with the Vikings is they don't have a bad defensive roster wise. Like they have some pieces that are really really good. I mean, they got Zadarius Smith, Patrick Peterson. Uh, they have a couple weapons like Harrison Smith's a star, and they just didn't play well and they weren't coached well and schematically they just got torched week after week. Uh, they could not stop the run. They could not stop the pass. Um, you bring in a guy who knows what he's talking about and has had success as defensive coordinator and has has had some success as a coach, a head coach. Um, he's well respected around the league and players that you know when players respect their defensive coordinator, they're going to play hard for that guy and right. he's going to earn their respect. I think rather quickly as he's done his whole career, uh, the players are going to play for him and they're going to realize how close they are to being a legitimate contender. The offense is there. You said it. That was there all year. You fix the defense. You're a legitimate contender. And I, that was a huge get for them. I think you're right in saying that. And it's definitely a threat to the Lions. Uh, probably the only threat in the division of the Lions because it doesn't look like Rodgers is going to be a Packer. So, yeah, I'm, I, if I were to, you know, out of the three buckets, right, not playing next year, returning as a Packer and going somewhere else, I, I think my money's not going somewhere else for him. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have said they don't they want to get rid of him. Rodgers has been pretty clear he'd rather not be there. I feel like at this point it's just a matter of time, you know, four, hey, four days in a dark room and who knows what's going to happen. 
he wants to embrace the darkness and go to the Raiders. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with that. Um, okay, so look, we got 20-ish minutes to talk about the biggest game of the year. Uh, you know, America's biggest game. The game that we declare ourselves world champions of, even though we are the only country that plays the sport professionally. It should be a That's damn holiday, do. John. It should I'm be. sick and well, tired Super, of it. Super Bowl Monday should be a damn holiday. Yes. Yes. 100%. It should be a two-day thing. Because yeah. Sundays are Sundays, but it Look, should be a Fourth of July, great, right? Like founding fathers, you know, going and, and winning our independence from the British. That's awesome. But what did we do with that culture that they gave us the freedom to establish? We got football. And football is our favorite thing. And so, in my opinion, Super Bowl Sunday might be more American than the Fourth of July. And even people should- that don't like football watch the Super Bowl and watch the commercials and get together and do like the Super Bowl is a damn holiday and it should be treated as such. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So um, the first tweet that we're going to take a look at just as far as uh, like, you know, whatever Super Bowl speculation, this is crazy, right? <laughs> Chiefs, 16 and three, 546 point, six all pros, including a Kelsey, AFC's number one seed. The Eagles, 16 and 3, 546 points, six all pros, including a Kelsey, NFC's number one seed. From how this team has performed for this entire season plus the postseason, they are literally, statistically speaking, the same, <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. Uh, I couldn't believe when you sent me that that it was real. Um, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the thing is that these teams are so different. Right. I feel very different. I feel like, you know, um, and and we'll get into this, right? Pat Mahomes is the identity of Casey's offense, and it doesn't seem like it totally matters the weapons around him based off of what we've seen this season. They lost Tyreek, everybody was concerned about that. They fill it in with a bunch of like B grade receivers and everything's fine. Why? Because the guy at the helm is making it work exactly what you saw with Tom Brady in New England, right? Didn't need to go nuts on superstars. He's got Kelsey and he's got three decent receivers around him and a good running back. We're good to go. And he and makes then, everyone better. He That's makes everyone thing. better. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, their defense, I would say, is like a seven out of 10, maybe, right? Like they're middle of the road. They're not bad. They're not, I'd say, like, you know, the worst defense, but I wouldn't say that it's like a staple. You look at the Eagles. Right. Kurtz is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but it's the players around him and the system that is making him as good as he is. They have arguably not only the best offensive line in the league, they probably have the best offensive line that we've seen in several years. They're Mm -hmm. Mark and I both covered it at length last week at how incredible they are. He's got amazing receivers, amazing run game, and then a rock solid defense. All, all, All three parts, right? Their front seven's amazing. And their defensive backfield is disgustingly good between Slay and CJ Gardner Johnson, who the Bradbury. Saints let go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So very different teams. I'm I'm curious, Mark, who do you have and why? Well, let me ask you this first, John. Okay. I'm just gonna ask you, I'm gonna pop off some questions. You just one word, you you give me an answer, okay? And it's gonna be I'm gonna name the different groups position groups you tell me which team has the better position group you ready offensive line eagles defensive line eagles secondary eagles linebackers 
I'll give that one to Casey. Okay. Uh, running game, so running backs. Casey. Okay. And now tight end. Eagle. Oh, well, Casey. Sorry. Okay. No. And then quarterback. <laughs> quarterback Casey. Receivers, so, too. Who I would give receivers, to Eagles. I would Eagles. go Eagles. So it's, it's pretty much Eagles at every single position as a whole besides tight end and quarterback, right? More or less, yeah. Right. Um, and I think most people would agree with that. And I'm still going to pick the Chiefs. And I've thought about this, and I didn't decide till today. And I will be posting many shorts, TikToks. John will be posting as well because we'll see what his opinion is on this game. But I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs. And uh, the reason really behind it is I think the Eagles are the better team. But Mahomes is built to beat a team that's better than them because he's the best player and he's playing the most important position. I also think that when you look into the coaching side of things, once it gets to a Super Bowl, the coaching really becomes a factor. You have, you know, it's two weeks. You have, you've showed every, so many of what you, you know, try to hide from other teams you've shown. Um, this is an interesting thing too. I just think Andy Reid is so much smarter than Nick Sirianni. And I just feel like, you know, the chiefs are better coordinators head coach. They've been there. They've done that. Um, the players are a little more experienced in terms of Super Bowl. The Eagles don't have many guys that are still on that team from the year they uh, went to the Super Bowl and won it. The Chiefs have a lot of their roster back from the year that they won it, and they were just in it again against Tampa and lost. So they've experienced it multiple times. That's a huge thing too, right? Because if you haven't played in a Super Bowl, you know it's it's a whole different thing, right? And in, in a moment like that, so I think coaching is going to matter. And I just can't go against Patrick Mahomes. I just can't do it. And Jalen Hurts is. You know, he's had a great year, but I just don't know if he's built for that moment. And they're going to dare him to throw the ball like San Francisco was going to dare him to throw the ball. And he didn't throw the ball that great against San Francisco, you know, uh, for being honest. And I know they just tried to run the ball and they were having success. So why why throw it? But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Kansas City. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to outplay on the biggest stage in, in the world. Met Patrick Mahomes. Look, all valid reasons. And I, one thing I love about the NFL is kind of the narratives that come out of it. And obviously, you know, this picture that we're showing here is that, um, right, is not only with Sirianni, I'm Andy Reid's coaching staff at one point, but Andy Reid let him go. So it's very interesting little grudge match going. Obviously, there's always some kind of revenge game in most big NFL matchups, but I think this is a this is an interesting one, absolutely. Um, and I'm excited to see how that works out, right? Because as you said, Andy Reid has a lot of Super Bowl experience and Sirianni has basically none. So <laughs> I'm right. And not to the discredit, players too, John, you know, the players right. too. Yeah. I mean, Casey as a whole has a lot of Super Bowl experience and the Eagles, um, at least this roster, right. Doesn't have quite as much. So yeah. definitely something to keep an eye on. Super interesting. Um, and then I pick, want to talk John? about, Oh, really I, I think the Eagles. Yes. I, I think the Eagles okay. are going to win it because of the fact that you said, like, I think they're just a better team on all the phases, but look, the biggest thing to me is the, the biggest weakness that Casey had when they played Tampa in the Super Bowl two years ago was that their offensive line, it really just the trenches in general, Tampa was, was better in the trenches. And I think yeah. the Eagles are better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And yeah. I've seen this happen before where the, the KC was losing the trenches battle on both sides of the ball and they lost the game 
and it wasn't close, right? Like Tampa blew out KC. You know, I, I can't remember the exact score, but I think I think watching yeah, that it was, game, it was it was over by the second half, right? Like yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and that's really I think that's the biggest reason is like I do think that Pat Mahomes has a amazing clutch factor to him, but I also think if he's running for his life and you can't get to Jalen Hurts, it doesn't matter. Especially we don't know what that situation is with his ankle. So. Um, and look, I'm not going to use that as the main thing against them. That's like my very last talking point on why I think that um, they might lose this game, but it's still a factor, obviously. The other thing that I want to take a look at is, you know, this this is interesting. Um, shout out Michigan, because like four players for, you know, a Midwestern state. I mean, Ohio is seven. We're not going to talk about that. Four, four players. That's pretty cool. Um, I didn't realize that we had that many on between the two teams. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to think who, who are the four people from Michigan? Um, Mike Dana from central Michigan's on the chiefs defensive end. He was one of my teammates. Um, I don't know. on the, I don't know on the Eagle. Oh, Avante Maddox on the Eagles is from uh, Detroit. Um, played at, I think East English or King. I forget which one, one of those high schools. Uh, is, is Henny from Michigan? I know he played at Michigan. I don't know if he's from Michigan or not. Yeah. Just anyways, interesting speculation. And then, you know, we know that, you know, Kentucky's a bunch of losers. Arizona's a bunch of losers. (laughs) Nevada's (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, and look, looking at the start too, I'm kind of not surprised by like the big numbers, right? Like nine guys from Texas, Texas, seven guys from Ohio, eight guys from Florida, like that, that all. Yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas. (laughs) And actually that, because I lived in Texas for three months, that adage is pretty true, dude. Like their highways, like five lanes, speed limits, 85 miles an hour there. I'm like, oh, I'm going yeah. five over 90 right now. This is awesome. Texas, Texas does it right. John is there. So obviously, I mean, one of the best days of the year, uh, the Super Bowl. But is there any low-key players that you think that people should look out for to that maybe aren't necessarily considered like stars on either of these teams that are going to make a big difference? Could be defense, could be offense. Is there any players you think sure. – people should kind of look out for to make a name so this for themselves. Is, this is a little bit of a cop-out, but I think that the Eagles offensive line as a unit is going to be a massive difference maker. Um, and I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you can call him a star or not, but you guys have heard me beating this dude's uh, drum the entire year, which is CJ Gardner Johnson. I just watched him play at the saints and he's kind of that third guy they talk about when you're talking about the Eagles secondary but he's a huge difference maker before he got injured in the regular season. And he's, you know, back to firing on all cylinders. So I think he's huge. Um, Casey's side, um, you know, Karloftis has kind of been quiet. I'd say like the past, you know, as far as the playoffs go, I think he's going to be a huge difference maker. And I also think that like, you know, some of the more low key offensive players for Casey, right. Like, you know, maybe like Hardman or something like that, you know, like might actually come out and, and tear it up too, because they do such a good job of spreading the ball around. So that's yeah. kind of my short list. Um, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I, 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 if the Eagles, if things go the Eagles way, I could see exactly what you're talking about. CJ, I think Gardner Johnson's a huge difference maker on whether he plays well or not. And, and if they're going to be successful, because I think he's going to have some tough asks in terms of what they're going to ask him to do against that offense. I think for the Chiefs, I think it's going to be Kadarius Toney. He, he was banged up in the Bengals game. 
it seems like he's going to play. Um, barring anything setback-wise, if he plays in that game, I think they're going to find ways to get him the ball in space, and he's electric when he has the ball in his hands. And I think it's going to take after-the-catch plays to really separate them from the Eagles. I think he's going to be for them. It's been Marquez Valdez scaling the last few games. I think it's going to be Kadarius Tony in this game. Patrick Mahomes is going to – I also want to note that Patrick Mahomes, obviously I'm not going to pick him as an X-Factor. He's going to be the damn MVP of the game if they win. Um, but he's going to be able to move around and scramble like we've, we're like we're used to seeing him do. I think that a lot of people think that ankle injury is still going to be – I think he's going to come out and look completely 100% healthy in this game. I think these two weeks off are huge. I think he's been getting the treatment. I think he showed yeah. glimpses of what he's able to do against Cincinnati, although he was limited but he's going to be able to extend plays like people didn't expect. And that's going to be a huge difference in the game because it's going to, the Eagles are probably prepping as if he can't move around a lot. Um, Cause why wouldn't you? But I think he's going to come out and just like play like he's not even injured at all. And it's going to change yeah. how they have to well, prepare. And too, like, you know what you can kind of get away with medically when, with those situations pop up as far as painkillers go, like if there is pain there, he probably isn't going to feel it for those, for that. Dude, he's going to be, no. think about the adrenaline, dude, I get adrenaline. I get adrenaline, like playing pickup basketball, you know, think about the <laughs> adrenaline of walking in. Like I'm about to play playing in the, in the super eking super bowl. Yeah. It's gotta be nuts. So, um, yeah, I, I look. I'm I'm so stoked about it. I'm actually I'm having a a Super Bowl party, and like you said, right? Like with it being a holiday, I'm having a Super Bowl party, and I'd say probably you know relatively small, like ten to twelve people, maybe probably half of them, if I'm being generous, are football fans. But when I sent right. that invite out, like everybody was stoked about it, right? They're they're super it's what it's excited, supposed to like, be, man. It, and it's I just love it because like it's the one selfishly too. It's like the one day where I just get to be like an unabashed football fan to every single person I talked to that day. And it's totally socially appropriate. Right. So um, other John, times, you, you have, know, that, sorry, go ahead. No, do you have, I know we've talked about like early Super Bowl memories, like that Patriots giants game. We remember, but do you have, I guess there's like, just name off a few Super Bowl games in your lifetime in our lifetimes that stand out to you or plays that stand out to you. Like, I think, I think people like it's they're like stuck in my memory some of the plays yeah and some of the yeah. moments that i like so some of the best moments of my life have just been watching this game i remember almost every moment of 28 to 3 like it was yesterday and i think like a lot of people that probably six like i literally remember having a side conversation with ron Selly, um not stevie but uh his older brother tom um about like 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 recovering from like having an ear infection before the game started kind of thing. Like, like literally yeah. every conversation, every little thing. I remember texting Hannah being like, Hey, don't count out Tom Brady just because of the score right now. Like he can make something happen here. Like I remember <laughs> the food. I remember who won squares, like stuff like that. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a huge one. Um, like I said, helmet catch was a really big one. Uh, the Harbaugh Harbaugh bowl. Right, that was a really good yeah. one. Power going out and all that. Power, that what a crazy. weird dude. What a weird. That, that was a weird Super Bowl. Um, and then you know one of the more exciting ones I think too was uh Patriots Eagles. I remember that one because that was freshman year of college. I Philly special. Philly special. I won a thousand dollar bet um on that one, so that was killer. Um, I took uh I took Eagles in the over. I believe, which is actually also what I took for, for this game coming up, which the over's high. It's 49. Yeah, so 
we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, so th those are, you know, just a few. Um, but I'd say out of all of them, the one that I have the most vivid memories of is 28 to three. Every little detail I remember about 28 to three. So that's funny you say the 28 to three, because that is, I have a few, um, but I'll start with that one because that's what you started with. I don't remember the comeback. Like I don't, I, I remember some of the plays I actually watched. I it popped up on my Twitter feed. Like it was like a quick short clip of the comeback. Like just that basically last quarter and a half of the game where they made the comeback and then won in overtime. So like it, it all came back to me as I was watching, but I really don't remember the plays. I remember the Julian Edelman catch, right? Where the ball was tipped up in the air and no one thought he caught it. And he was able to trap the ball just before it hits the ground. One of the best catches ever right especially considering the circumstances um and i remember i was we were at our good buddy tyler winicky's house and i was rooting for the patriots hard most of the people there were tom brady haters and were talking shit to me the whole game and i had to sit there and take it and as the comeback started i was able to run my mouth which i love to do and then as that catch happened you just had to feel like it was going to happen and i jumped when they when they when he caught it and i i was one of the people saying he caught it he caught it everyone's like no he didn't dude no he didn't they really didn't complete and i jumped and I hit the ceiling. My head hit the ceiling, and there was a there was a dent in its ceiling from my head. And I and I instantly fell to the ground. I was like holding my head, and they're like, "Dude, what is? Are you okay?" And I was like, "Dude, I, th I think I just like have a concussion from hitting the <laughs> my head on the ceiling." So that was one of the coolest memories I have. And then honestly, my favorite game um, in our lifetime was the Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl. I think that that's one of the best Super Bowls of all time, and. The I mean, I just remember like so many, like, like you said, you remember so many of the plays from that 28 to three game. I just remember Larry Fitzgerald looking at the jumbo, the, the scoreboard as he was running for that, you know, 80 yard touchdown, the slant. Um, I was a huge, I was rooting for the Cardinals throughout the playoffs because I just loved Larry Fitzgerald and he was just on a hot streak of just moss. Dude, he was, making, he was something he was making else incredible plays. Couple and, years um, after that too. I mean, he was just right. really he, on top he was of just, he game. was and then the James Harrison, like, you know, ninety-nine yards, and he almost gets caught by Fitzgerald. And then the, the crazy one of the, again, one of the best catches in Super Bowl history, San Antonio Holmes, and that throw from Ben Roethlisberger in the corner of the end zone and the, the toe drag. And no again, no one thought he actually caught it. It's those catches where like no one thinks there's no way that was caught, right? And then you go back and look at it in, in slow in like, slow oh motion, God, like holy great. shit. Right. Those yeah. are like the moments I think that Super Bowl to me was one of the best of all time, even though I was rooting for the Cardinals. Like that, that game was just incredible. Two really also, good teams. Quick shout out to Larry Fitzgerald for like just every part of his career was very humble. You know, like he was one never the, the guy dudes. that everybody was talking about. You know, he was a very, yeah, a very good person from what I can tell. And then very quietly retired. Like he just kind of Dude, slipped, that, Larry, slipped Larry Fitzgerald out of the NFL. Is one of my favorites of all time. And I think one of the craziest stats, like when you throw out sports stats, not even just football, sports stats, the dude had more tackles as a wide receiver than dropped passes in his career. That's crazy. Do you know how incredible that is? Like that That's dude amazing. had hundreds. He, that dude probably had over, I mean, I'm assuming, yeah, he had to have over a thousand catches. I don't have it off the, like, I don't know his exact stats. He had probably over a hundred 120 touchdowns in his career. And the dude had more tackles than dropped passes. You know how like sure-handed you have to be? Think about all the contested, you know, people draped all over him, uh, one-handed. Yeah. Fourteen hundred receptions, seventeen thousand yards, one hundred and twenty-one touchdowns was his career. Yeah, so I wasn't so. that wasn't terribly far off. It's ridiculous, no, dude. Yeah, and to have <laughs> to have more tackles as a receiver—that's a joke. That is an no, absolute it's, joke. It's ridiculous. And look, that's you. Sickening. 
I know that Mark loves Larry Fitzgerald, which is why I brought it up because this dude, uh, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to dig on Mark. This dude was drafting Larry Fitzgerald well after his prime, way too high in fantasy football for <laughs> years. For years. I um, got to have him on my roster, man. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, like I said, we appreciate everybody who's been along on this journey. 27 episodes, the entire NFL season, every single week. I think we missed maybe one week out of the entire NFL season. Um, so yeah, we appreciate everybody that's been along for the ride. I think this chan- this like channel, this podcast, our shorts have seen a ton of growth. And now look, we get to come back next week and talk about who won the Super Bowl and talk about the offseason. And don't get don't get us wrong. Like Mark and I are just as stoked to be talking about that. We love football. It truly is a sport that doesn't have a true offseason. 365 days a year there's always something going on there's always something to talk about season season one coming to an end um what an awesome first year honestly john i don't think even you and i both didn't really think we would have as much fun and as have as many people tune in as we've had um and some of the great guests we've had and we're gonna get we're gonna have guests throughout the off season season two officially will start um of our of our of of the show after the super bowl and we're excited to keep doing this, man. Um, Absolutely. We're... Oh, also, because uh, I have a promise from Evan. We will have pre-orders available for a merch drop by the Super Bowl. So God. anybody Damn. that's watching, okay. make, sure, make sure we're looking out for that, right? It will probably, so usually the way that, that we like to do this, because Mark and I, believe it or not, don't have like $4,000 to pay out of pocket to go and get 300 shirts printed or whatever. John probably does. He's but... low-key rich. No, I'm not. Stop it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, but we're gonna get pre-orders going so that we know how much demand there is off the bat, and then you know it'll probably take like a month or two to get them printed and shipped. But the designs are gonna be sick. We we hired a, a mutual friend of ours, um, Evan Pulaski, who's one of very the best gifted. artists I know. He's he's a very gifted artist. He's he, he's one of those people that makes everything look easy that he everything does. he does everything he he touches becomes like really really well done cool stuff like yeah whether whether you like you know sports or not i'm sure this whatever he's i haven't seen it i don't know if you have but his, his no, designs he's, he's are, still working on them but he promised he'll have the designs by the super bowl so we will be unveiling those either before or by uh the day of the super bowl so be on the lookout for that and uh yeah man just, let's just enjoy Sunday, right? It's it's let's enjoy the best day of the year. The, the cap, right? The nightcap of the season. Let's enjoy it. Hopefully, it's a good game. John's got the Eagles. I have the Chiefs. Uh, it seems like most people that I've talked to are picking the Eagles. I've heard a lot of Go Birds. Um, it, it should be a good game. It should be exciting. It's you're you're witnessing history every Super Bowl because they truly are some of the most historic like memories that people have um each year are the super bowl games um i want another cool memory i forgot to even mention john my sister my sister sage was born during the eagles patriots super bowl not the one you talked about with the philly special where the one where uh, owens came back and played on a broken leg and it wasn't her is her birthday today or yesterday yesterday yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so wild that she was eighteen because I have known Sage she, since she was like a baby. I'm I'm sure my <laughs> dad was super thrilled that my mom went into labor the day of the Super Bowl, like hours yeah. before the Super Bowl started. Like, God damn it, you know, like you you couldn't wait till tomorrow, you're right? Like that's what <laughs> right. I would have thought. 
like, like once you're on not even tomorrow four, just six more hours please dude, like, and what? i remember me cole me cole and anthony were like little turds we were like oh like we don't want like what like if we want to watch the game and like we had a babysitter come over and put us to bed at like seven o'clock we're like dude what the no. hell is going on super bowl's on yeah no yeah and oh, we were young staggered. but like we remember like they brought sage home and we were like we don't want her like she ruined the super bowl um but we've come a long way since then 18 yeah. years so right <laughs> that's awesome well look we'll wrap up this episode everybody enjoy their sunday and we will see you next week peace enjoy the super bowl guys peace